to the SEO Freelancer Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Leroy. This month, I speak with Bethan Vincent to discuss her journey freelancing, leaving her 9-to-5 job, but being able to double her salary within a year's time. One major component that Bethan attributes her freelancing success to is the idea of building out her personal brand. So we're going to be spending quite a bit of time today talking about just this and give you a few actionable tips on how you can go about building your personal brand as well. Before we jump into this episode, I want to say a quick thank you to this episode's sponsor, SEORadar.com. We all know how many clients end up making changes that are bad for SEO without them talking to SEOs first. SEO Radar puts you back in control of your client's issues. Whether it's weird rendering issues that crop up or a content editor that changes titles that have been optimized for Google, SEO Radar's alert will help you stay on top of what's changing. Get alerts via Slack, email, or text message. And when that bad alert hits, you'll have full HTML archives and screenshots to easily revert quickly. Get started today with SEO Radar at seoradar.com. Thank you again to our sponsor, and let's jump into this month's episode. Hey, Beth, and thank you again so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Nick. Great to be here. Uh, really excited to get kind of stuck in. Two of my favorite topics, money and personal branding. It doesn't get much better than that. So just to kick things off, I would love for you just to take a moment, you know, tell us who is Bethan, you know, what is, what is your experience? What are you doing? You know, how's freelance life? Give us a little bit of the 101. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been a marketer. I'm giving my, away my age a little bit here, but for about 12 years now. So too long, shall we say. Um, grew my career from, you know, going from marketing assistant, marketing manager, marketing director at a software consultancy. And that was my last kind of employee job. And really during the pandemic, I was kind of thinking like well, everyone, really, I was reviewing the work I was doing, the impact I was making, the work I wanted to be doing. And I also had a bunch of people come to me and say, hey, we've seen how good you are in, at your in-house job. Would you come and like help us out? We've got similar challenges. And those two things combined made me think, hmm, maybe I could go and kind of freelance and be a freelance consultant. And that could be a thing for me. So I left my kind of last full time job in June 2021. So a year ago, actually, now, which is awesome. Um, and since then. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really, really. It's been a great year. I mean, it's been challenging, but it's been really, really good. And um, yeah, kind of have grown my consultancy ever since. That's fantastic. I mean, there's nothing more exciting. And, you know, I give you a huge kudos because making the choice to leave the stability during, you know, the COVID pandemic to go freelance is just fantastic. As people have heard before, and I'm probably just uh, echoing now, you know, I was kind of forced into freelancing. I, I lost my job in COVID. So I have a lot of respect for individuals who made the choice because contrary to what some people might think, I, did, I made the choice, but not without being pushed a little bit. But I think the thing is, you know, everyone thinks that pandemics or I mean, I hope we never have another one, but, you know, recessions or these kind of market downturns or periods of kind of uncertainty are bad times to launch a business. But actually, you know what? No, other people won't be thinking about doing it because they'll be scared off. So there'll be less competition. And actually, as a freelancer, you know, a recession is a good opportunity for you because companies are looking to reduce headcount and you're a flexible resource. So 
that I, uh, I'm a little bit kind of skeptical of the people who are like, this is a bad time to be freelancing. Don't do it. Don't, you know, keep your in-house job. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I would say, if anything, I was very surprised because I thought it would be difficult and that I'd be scraping up little odds and end projects, but you are right. It's, I think the, the thought of a freelancer has really changed during this pandemic, you know, going from, oh, it's a freelancer. We don't kind of quote unquote own them and their time to, wow, now we're going to skip, you know, having the full overhead of an in-house or pay for the big fancy agencies that are going to take me out to steak dinner. It's like, we're going to go straight to, you know, I hate this word more than anything, but I'm going to use the word expert, you know, and we're just going to hire them. We're going to focus on doing the work doing it well. And that's really what all that matters. And I think there's been a huge shift in marketing as a whole that way. Absolutely. And I, my model specifically is I do a lot of fractional CMO work, um, just because I've got that experience sitting as a you know, marketing leader, director on a, on a board of directors. And that's a very kind of well, it's not a new concept, but it's definitely one that's taking off more and more in this idea that you can have a fractional CMO or a fractional CFO or even a fractional marketing manager. And I think that just ties into the points you're talking about. People are looking at how they resource teams or how they resource their business a lot differently and figuring out, like, actually, someone sat in an office, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. They're not working that full time. Let's be I don't know what your office jobs are like, but like you're chatting, you're having coffee, you, you know, you're faffing about let's be honest um yeah. and you can be very effective you know i work with a lot of clients one day a week or a couple of days a month and you can actually get a lot of done in that time period a lot of stuff done sorry yeah no you're you're so right and i'm really really glad you brought up the idea of fractional positions as a whole it's something we haven't really talked about in the podcast yet but it's actually how i position a lot of my roles as an SEO, because I am not the cheapest SEO, a lot of agencies can be cheaper, but you're paying for my expertise. And I really do position it as kind of a fractional in-house director of SEO. I'm not going to necessarily be the one you want to pull or pay to pull all the spreadsheets, but you need someone to be building the strategy, giving direction, QAing, and measuring. You know, and there are other individuals, whether it be in-house or I even have one instance where they have a completely different SEO agency that I am the fractional, you know, you know, not a CMO, but a you know, a digital marketing leader that oversees that. So I think there's just a huge opportunity there. And it's amazing to see these companies really embracing that fractional position. Yeah, absolutely. And it, part of it is also because, you know, we know there is a huge talent shortage in marketing in seo seo actually in particularly i'd say seo and ppc i'm trying to hire for a lot of clients at the moment and those are like the things i am struggling with massively i don't know what it's like in the us but in the uk the labor market's extremely tight so you know companies are being forced to look at other options the only thing i'd say about the kind of fractional if you're you're going in at that strategy or that senior level role the expectation from clients is very high. I'm sure you find this as well. Like they want you to come in and be a leader. So if you are positioning yourself as that and you are commanding those types of rates, clients, you, you need to deliver for your clients essentially. And I think, you know, part of this podcast is talking about like growing your freelance revenue. And I very deliberately wanted to position myself like you at that kind of high end of the market. And that's frankly how I've managed, you know, double my previous salary. And actually this year I'm all up tripling it. 
um, we're on track to triple it, I, uh, it. I should say, yeah. And, you know, are probably going to turn over in British pounds about 160, 170k if I play my cards right and, you know, nice. <laughs> keep my utilization. I can hear a thumbs up right now with a big <laughs> smile ear to ear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not cheap, but I deliver for clients and that's what they're paying. For. That's okay. You know, and I think, you know, I'm derailing quite a bit from some of the questions and we'll get these, but I think these are really important topics to talk about. and. I would say, I always kind of joke about my freelance career. Year one was survive, year two was thrive. And now but that I'm in year three, I'm kind of calling it optimize. And one of the biggest decisions that I personally had to make, and it sounds like you're doing this as well, Bethan, is you have to figure out how you're going to scale. And a lot of people assume, rightfully or wrongfully, that scaling means you have to take on more work. Whereas the reality is, is we have two options. We can do, Beth, and what I understand is the direction you're going, and I'll talk mm. to you more, is partnering with more people and potentially even growing like your own agency. And then there's the opposite of where I'm going at, where I'm very intentionally staying a solo consultant. And this kind of sounds arrogant, but it's like you raise your rates to the point where some people start saying no. But you have enough people saying yes, where I'm able to still maintain a small portfolio of work that, to your point, I have to be very involved with, but I'm getting paid handsomely because of the level of work that I'm providing to them and the results that they're getting. So it's just very interesting that there's two approaches to it. One is not right or wrong. But now that I've already brought this question up, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about than what what your thought is on that topic. And then maybe I'll try to go back to some of these other questions that I have for you. Of course, yeah. So I, I'm going the opposite route, uh, as you allude to, looking to bring on more consultants who are like me at my level, building a kind of partnership-based company. So people join us, you know, how you join a law firm as a partner and you get profit share and all of that. That's what we're trying to build. Because in my head, you know, if you're a solo consultant doing pretty well, almost like, why would you go and join a consultancy? And I think, you know, it, it's to get the benefits of scale. That's what the bar, what people are kind of buying into. And then clients are buying into the fact, you know, you've got a team of expertise around you covering multiple different industries. I'm very much focused on kind of tech. B2B tech is really my background. I do a bit of e-com as well, just because that's a little bit of a passion project of mine. But um, yeah, so it is that kind of growing through building other people or like you say, you can raise, and you can do both to be frank, mm -hmm. you could pursue both, you know, and Absolutely. again, like, yeah, this consultant open velocity is what we're called. We're trying to sit in that high end of the market, do very strategic work that delivers real, real value for clients. So again, we're not the cheapest, but yeah, it, it's about finding what's right for you. And I really had the toy in my head and I was like, I'm making decent money as a solo consultant. And like, there's client headaches that always are client headaches. Let's be honest. We love our clients, but some can be challenging and some can be wonderful and you get mixtures in between. But, you know, great. I could stay at this scale and I have a great life, but I I just wanted more, I guess. Um, and I wanted that kind of thrill of building a company, but building a company oh my gosh, it's hard. So, you know, don't go into it with the wool over your eyes. It's really, really difficult. It's another step. You know, you get comfortable being consultant. You think that's difficult. Building a business is like that times 10. <laughs> and I can only imagine that is certainly, I'm about as far away from an expert on that aspect, but it's interesting. A lot of people I do talk to 
find themselves that the passion that they used to have for the subject matter is what they end up turning into the building the the business and allowing a group of people to find that success and that level of passion before. So I have a lot of respect that, you know, and this is where I'm going kind of in year three, but you know what, Beth, and I think the next time we talk, who knows, maybe things will be completely different. You can tell us how to, you know, build a, a massive uh, agency out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I say this, it's ridiculous, but like, I want to be the like McKinsey of marketing strategy consulting. And that's mm-hmm. a huge audacious goal. But you do, you do. And like, if I get halfway there, 10% there, I'll be super happy. But yeah, hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, it's five years later, look me up, see where I've got to. Let's do it. Let's hold her to it. I like it. All right. So let's rewind a little bit. I love where we're going with this. But I want to go back a little bit to your nine to five journey. You've already alluded that you've doubled you're, you've tripled you know, the money that you've been able to make, which is absolutely fantastic. But one of the things that people love most about this podcast is I asked all my guests about their first full-time job and the salary that they made. Are you willing to share with us? Oh, here? yeah. It's, it's, so my first full-time non-marketing job, because I can talk about both actually, it might be interesting for people. So my first job out of school before I went to university was I worked uh, for English Heritage, which is a government body here in the UK that looks after castles, historic monuments. And I was what was called a historic uh, property steward. Essentially, I was a bit of a caretaker and jobs body. You did like everything served in the tea room, you know, did tickets, worked in the shop. And I earned £12,000 a year. For that that was the full-time equivalent wage um and then my first marketing job after university i was a marketing assistant in the education sector and i was earning 16 grand a year so though and you know you've got to remember this was quite a while ago so you know salaries have increased since then but they were like min- minimum minimum wage jobs sure no that's exciting but and i'm going to push you even more so now that you're out on your own and going there I mean someone who is as successful as you are and with an in-house job do you mind sharing what you were making roughly before you made the leap in the freelance world yeah so I was kind of in the 50k mark um I yeah I think in hindsight definitely wasn't remunerated for the value I bought let's be honest um and yeah so now like I said I'm on track to turn over 160 170 uh depends if some deals land <laughs> <laughs> but hey, yeah so we always have an asterisk on when you're freelance yeah. <laughs> you are consult there's always an asterisk of if this is gonna land let me get your opinion real quick so i just talked to ryan durani an seo in the uk and we sidebarred on a conversation about us pay and uk pay especially when it comes to seo there is a significant gap and we kind of were talking about this a little bit you know why do we think that is you know for example similar to where you were at he had mentioned that he was making about forty thousand pounds as a leader in the seo space you know in-house and he is fortunate enough he's making forty thousand pounds per month now so we kind of had a couple you know riff just talking about it but without belaboring too much what are what are your thoughts on U.S. salaries and U.K. salaries, and what you know? If does that go broader than just SEO in your experience? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can talk about kind of probably wider marketing salaries, um, especially marketing generalist salaries, uh, which range wildly here in the UK at the moment. And I think the landscape shifting bit, the UK obviously historically used to be very underpaid compared with US counterparts. That's changing because of the labour market conditions I alluded right. to earlier. So I do think salaries are pushing up and up and up, but companies are also expecting a lot more from candidates as well. So you've kind of got that dual track side of things where, yeah, they're willing to pay more, but you're going to have to deliver. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I, I work in tech as well. So that inflates my view of salaries somewhat. But obviously in the US, that tech sector has been that it's got a lot more longevity than it has within the UK. So I think that's part of the reason. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I think marketers generally here are underpaid, but that's changing. I don't think the skill set necessarily has been valued as much as it should be. And now companies are like, huh, we need marketing. Oh, we need people who are good at it. But also, I don't know what it's like in the UK, in the US, but there's a lot of people who almost like claim to be marketers here who don't actually really know what they're doing. And okay. that creates like a weird, like, um commoditized kind of end of the market where people are already competing on price but also i'm not saying everyone who's priced low is bad i think lots of people undercharge for what they do but there's always somebody who's going to undercut you but there's always a lot of people who are worse than you as well yeah and, and i think that definitely plays a role here in the us as well i think it's almost like you don't have to prove yourself as much but i think the asterisk to that is really what you had said the market at least in my role in the past I've been in SEO for over 10 years now. As I've said many times on this podcast, I started at 32,000. A lot of individuals in the US starting in SEO don't really know the first thing about it are starting at like 50 grand. And I know people now that are five years into their SEO career that are making more money than when I was a director of an SEO team, you know, three years ago even. And it's insane. I think it truly comes down to the demand and people that even know i'll say some seo i won't even say they're great i have been telling people and i'm going to say this on record and it's probably going to be bad but c plus people are making a plus dollars right now and a plus you know people are still making c plus dollars because they're not necessarily the ones pushing for new jobs yeah i know i, I literally 100 percent agree with that and also like A plus people are probably not as motivated by money as well because they're so like into doing the job and they enjoy the job and love it. So, yeah. And I think companies need to be really, really careful. Like if you're listening and you've got SEOs, marketers on your team that you're underpaying, you're about to see a mass exodus because people are waking up and thinking, I will just leave because I can get more money somewhere else. And wouldn't you do I do that? I mean, I did that. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's my biggest um, career mistake you know, before I went freelances, I got comfortable, I was paying my bills. And a lot of times I just kind of refused to even challenge the status quo. Of what is somebody with my skill set making in this market? Because I didn't want to change up and you know, and I was getting cost of living raises. And but that's all on me. I mean, I know some people that are, you know, really good at advocating for themselves and some aren't. But honestly, like, I think you are letting yourself down if you are not always at least looking and understanding what somebody with your skill set are capable of making. And money doesn't need to be everything, but I'll speak for myself. It's right up there at about 97 and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's just about, it's about being fairly rewarded for the value you bring. 
you know, ultimately that's what it comes down to. And marketeers are revenue generators. And it always has bugged me that we don't get commission like sales. So you yeah. can be driving sales as pipeline, but you're not going to see any of that commission. You're just going to get your salary. You might get bonus in some places if you're lucky. So Bethan, you'll really appreciate this right before jumping on here. I am in a private group of marketers that are talking and there's an agency side and one person was asking if they'd come up with a model to reward in-house people, or sorry, I guess they'd be agency people for bringing in more work because I've been on agency side my entire career. And that was kind of the expectation of the job was like you upsell, you go to conferences, network, and you bring work in and that's part of your job. Uh, but these individuals were actually supporting providing a 10% of the retainer to the individuals that could bring a net new cold lead in that gets landed. And I was thinking to myself, like, what an amazing opportunity, especially right now where the market is so hot, to be able yeah. to maintain your talent by sharing in the incremental revenue that they bring. Yeah, and that's what we're doing at Open Velocity. So you get your general bonus that comes out of kind of retained profit that's distributed evenly. And then we're doing a profit, but like a, a bonus pool that then gets allocated to those people who bring in work to incentivize and reward that behavior. And honestly, I think that is the direction. You know, here on you know, the SEO freelancer, I'm obviously trying to push a lot of people to be open to freelancing. It doesn't necessarily mean they need to go full time, but for me, it was always an opportunity. It's like, even if I made a hundred bucks a month that I otherwise wouldn't make in the salary, like that's ice cream for my kids, like four times, you know, and that was kind of why I wanted to do it. But I think this is the new quote unquote solution for individuals that don't want to necessarily go a hundred percent freelance. It's if these agencies, maybe in-house, there's kind of an, can really push those individuals that don't want to be locked into just like a salary and maybe like a bonus. It's like, if you help the company make money, you share in that reward because then you're not locked into the salary as kind of the ceiling of what you can make and you get to continue to push yourself, but there's really no penalty if you don't because your salary is reflective on like your day-to-day -day work. But I, I truly think that if more companies, you know, offer an equivalent to this that that really could save them the headache of turnover and people leaving to go build their own business absolutely agree yeah so let's pivot and one of the main reasons Bethan, that i wanted to have you on the the agent or sorry the the seo freelancer podcast is the idea of building a personal brand I get a lot of messages from individuals that are excited about the idea of freelancing. They may or may not be skilled in SEO, but the first question I get over and over and over again is, how do I get clients? And it's natural and it's hard because my response is, I personally, Nick Leroy, have been building my brand, and I hate saying that way, I know you have a podcast episode that you kind of are doing the same thing that I did. It's like, you hate talking, you know, Beth and Vincent is a brand, you know, Nick Leroy is a brand. But the reality is, is it sounds like from our conversations offline, that truly plays a significant role in how you're getting this work. And it may, it takes the hardest part of freelancing, you know, the, the hardest part of it when you have this. So 
can you maybe walk us through a little bit of what you think the value of a personal brand is? And then maybe we can kind of riff on a couple of questions here off of that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of encapsulated a lot of it. It is, it's that brand awareness, you know, what we build for clients is brand awareness. We've got to be aware we've got to be building that brand awareness for ourselves. So I really started kind of building a personal brand of doing kind of flimsy air quotes here for listeners. <laughs> but I did that when I was in my in-house role, actually, when I was a marketing manager kind of level and I started speaking at local meetups and I, I've always I was like an OG blogger back in the way in the day as well so I've always kind of had an internet presence and been quite comfortable with that but I started you know speaking at things contributing guest posts to sites and it really kind of snowballed from there but I put that investment in for a couple of years and it meant when I exited my full-time job to freelance I, people knew about me I had clients reach out to me and say like hey like we've been waiting I literally had someone say I've been waiting for this to happen when can I get a discussion in wow. so you know it, it's about kind of yeah building the awareness in your market and there is no like don't think oh just because I'm a junior or you know I'm earlier in my career I can't be doing this do it as soon as possible because you're kind of building that investor it's like any brand building the sooner you do it the sooner you're going to see your return from it so yeah it's it's been a big part of my my kind of business moving forward and gaining clients what i will say is i've worked hard to make sure i've got multiple kind of streams of clients so actually you know for certain terms i rank very well uh in the uk and that that actually brings me like a lot of organic traffic and a lot of organic conversions but my personal brand definitely helps in converting that traffic into clients because they see I've got blog posts they see I've got videos from conferences I've spoken at they see I've won awards and you know done my own PR so it all kind of builds on each other which is lovely and again I I absolutely love that because that really is how I personally go about building my freelancing career and you know my business and what I love most that you said though was not waiting and I'm using kind of air quotes of when you become an expert when you're junior, you know, I remember writing blog posts about SEO, you know, when I was one, two, three years into it. And I was never telling people how to do it at that point because I wasn't confident, but it was more of this was my experience. I tried this. I'm sharing that. And Betha, you'll you'll probably appreciate this. I'll be curious your thought. I was so unhappy towards the end of my agency career. I ended up starting a lot of people listening to us know that I have an SEO newsletter called the SEO for lunch. And there was twofold. One was very public that I used to say, you know, these are resources that I was sharing with my clients at agency side all the time. So I wanted to be able to kind of streamline and forward an episode and say, here you go. But the second one that I have not been vocal about until recently was it was kind of the back of my pocket. And I'm just going to say the fuck you card. Because if you ever pissed me off to the point where, like, I don't want to work for you, I knew all I had to do was, like, send an email out. You know, there's 5,000 subscribers. You know, it's not a lot, but it's not a little. And when I did go freelance, that was, like, the first thing I did. All I did was send at the very top is, like, hey, guys, by the way, I'm freelance now. If you have projects, you know, let's talk. And that gets you in in the door. Yeah. So it's... (laughs) I love the concept of an FU card like that's that's literally like I would advise anyone to do that and that was always because I think I always wanted to have my own business as well and 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 that was something I kind of realized throughout my career I've tried different businesses as well throughout my career some well this one's successful others obviously not so successful but I've always been like you know I, I need 
and need some kind of security and don't think I think this is like the fallacy of like people sitting in jobs thinking they're super super secure you know even in the UK like your notice period can be a month three months that's not that long a time and a company can just drop you so why not build that plan b like what can go wrong almost why wouldn't you I know it's effort and time from your perspective but you know it's going to kind of safeguard you and it, it's that whole kind of like it is anti-fragile barbell building blah 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 you know buzzword buzzword but it is about having a plan b and having a strategy for that yeah and plan b is so important and you know i wrote a post about i think i titled it the fallacy of the nine to five and i really learned that you know i've been very public about losing my job during the pandemic and i've always i've also been very open about not being an easy employee but i've always thought that because i do great work that kind of makes up for being a difficult employee which it did for a little while i always thought seo is such a progressive marketing space that nobody was ever going to just like get rid of it it'll change budgets will change but as soon as the pandemic launched and we lost one client that was a significant point of our our revenue as a company i was shocked i absolutely was shocked that they were going to let the lead of the team go they just completely removed seo from the service offering and that was such yeah see and beth has given me the same look i gave them i was like okay you're not making a very good business choice here but the the reality is i was now put in a situation where i had 30 days notice the rest of my team didn't even get that notice they were done that day i had to you know do this but it's just it it shows that doing good work is not enough anymore and that as long as you are working for somebody else like they always have that control which i realize is probably what i crave the most going out on my own but the personal brand really helps and you'll find that you might run into situations where you have a more successful personal brand than your boss or you know other agencies and Beth I'd love to hear I believe you kind of touched on this in your podcast as well yeah I mean I kind of got to the point in in a role where I did I did have a bigger brand in some ways than the company and people knew me and that was kind of a difficult position and I got a lot of questions about that and I think some businesses really see the value of that so the podcast episode you're talking about I talked to Stephen Camerwright from Rise at Seven amazing UK uh, PR SEO agency and they empower their employees to build personal brands because they only see it as a benefit to them and then great that person has an asset that when they leave they can use but some businesses really see it as a threat which I've always felt is kind of so so stupid um so it, it, you do have to be a bit careful I guess tread that line with your employer but also like it's your brand like you own you know you're not a, a you're not an indentured servant when you're an employee you're not a slave like you can always leave you're a rented brain at the sure. end of the day and I think the, the and I love it now that employers are getting really kind of annoyed because they're like employees treat workers really transactional and you know they're just here to collect the paycheck and it's like well yeah duh sure because you created the environment where it is very transactional because you've held all of the cards for so long and now you kind of don't right and i think once you jump into like the freelance world you tend to be a little bit more aggressive with people to remove that allegiance and <clears throat> excuse me you know i i'm all for being you know how do i even say it? it's like I, I i want you to love your job i want you to love who you work for 
but as Bethany just said, like you don't really owe them anything. And as I found out, and for whatever reason, my brain refused to accept it until it happened. Like when it comes down to the end, they're gonna look out for themselves before they look out for you. So you should not feel guilty looking out for yourself. Absolutely, it, it, it's only fair. Like yeah. The, the only other point I'd make on that is that are amazing employers out there who, and if you find one of those diamonds, like I worked for a company that unfortunately got acquired. So that changed the dynamic, but they were like, they were, it was the most supportive place I've ever worked. I had an amazing boss. I probably would have stayed there for longer. You know, do you kind of cherish and value those companies? Um, because, you know, I don't want to kind of tar everyone with the same brush because there are some great employers, but I think if someone is treating you in a crappy way, um you know like i said it's transactional at the end yep. of the day and without belaboring exactly what you had just said i mean that shows too while the market is hot and if you're not significantly underpaid and you're considering leaving just for say like a five percent jump and don't don't leave that amazing spot that you have that is full of like a good culture it's really right now in my opinion it's like these people that are being underpaid if you're in the u.s and you're making 50 grand and you have five to 10 years of experience, like you literally can go make a hundred grand pretty much anywhere else. Those are the people that need to consider leaving the the good atmospheres and the good people because there is a significant benefit to it. But don't sleep on, on great companies. And, you know, honestly, as much as I'm a proponent of freelancing, like shout out to all those individuals that are building companies that support their company or support their employees, you know, support mental health and, you know, don't just try to squeeze out every penny from each individual. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. So Bethan, to make this more tangible, we've talked about, I think everybody here understands the value of personal brand. Pretend that I'm fairly new to my job a year or two in here. What are three things that you would recommend that I do or anybody listening to start building upon their personal brand? So the first thing would be to connect with communities that are interested in similar things with you or work in similar disciplines as you. So, you know, joining newsletters, for example, is a great way of doing that. And you'll kind of find opportunities and you'll see what other people are doing to build their personal brand. And also that's kind of a safe space, especially if it's like a private Slack or something to start throwing out your ideas and your thoughts. It's not on the public Internet, but you're kind of building brand awareness within a small community. The second thing is, is kind of work out what format works for you. So I, as you probably can tell listeners, I love talking. I could talk all day, every day to anyone. And that's why a podcast was quite a good way of me getting my kind of voice out there and my thoughts out there. I also love writing as well. So that's another thing. Um, social media, I find I kind of find being quippy and witty quite difficult because <laughs> I'm not naturally, I'm a very verbose person, as you probably can tell. Um, so I really focused on what I, the content I enjoyed creating because that is what, you know, that's what brands, personal brands are. You're creating content, useful content, normally informative content to be consumed by people within your kind of target audience, target market. So yeah, work out what kind of content you enjoy creating and almost kind of what what channel would be best for you. And you can kind of um, also be consistent in. I think that's something people don't think about. Like they'll start a newsletter, they'll start a blog, they'll start whatever, and they'll it'll trail off after three episodes. You do have to be consistent. And maybe that's my third and final point is be consistent. 
you know, don't expect you're not going to go viral overnight. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. I've been trying for like, you know, 10 years now, <laughs> still waiting. I think the best I got was like 250 retweets, but that actually didn't, you know, it didn't really add much to like my bottom line from a business perspective. But, you know, just take small steps, be consistent, do one thing every day. And I know it's really scary kind of putting your thoughts out there. I really struggle with this still, you know, relatively senior in my career. And I still think, oh, if I write about my approach to kind of, I've, I've got an article in my head I really want to write about, about kind of splitting your budget between demand capture and demand generation and how to kind of manage that. And I'm like, will people care about what silly old me thinks? And, you know, do I have something new to say on this topic? Because, you know, I'm very influenced by like Mark Ritson and other kind of writers in this space. But you've got to do it. You've got to put your thoughts out there. There's always an extra thing you can add in your individual perspective because it's the accumulation of your own individual experiences that no one else has ever had because no one's you. It's valuable to the world. So don't don't think that like you don't have something to add and you don't have something to say because you always do. I think that is invaluable advice. Two, maybe three things I'll just add in real quick. One, I want to validate your tweet statement. I've gotten, you know, the two, three, four hundred retweets and likes off of simple things like, don't be silly, type your title tags in, you know, it's like things that are like things that you're very intentional about, you know, never get the traction, but then you say something that is very obvious and maybe even snarky, and that's the one that goes kind of quote unquote viral. The other thing that I will say that I really enjoyed you saying as well is putting your thoughts out there. It, I'll be honest, like it really puts you in a vulnerable space. You're sharing your thoughts. The internet inherently is mean. Feel free to turn off your comments too. <laughs> it's just uh, a safeguard. But push through those boundaries and embrace that. I mean, I went out and still to this day, my posts sharing about my freelance story, I mean, literally going out and telling people that I got fired while I'm trying to tell people that I'm also an expert in this space and you should hire and pay a premium. It's hard, but there's a, but there's a bigger story to that. It was about, you know, having a really unfortunate situation and having a family to support and, you know, refusing to, you know, allow somebody else to tell me that I wasn't good enough, you know, and be able to just move forward. And, you know, that ends up being my, my number one performing post by far and you don't have to necessarily talk about money or things that are considered like taboo but you know it all starts somewhere you know what are you thinking because i can almost guarantee you other people are thinking that or asking questions but they're not writing it and they're searching for your thoughts yeah and i think you alluded to it as well there like that authenticity is really important like we all have seen the state of linkedin the account on twitter if you don't follow that follow it it's hilarious but you know those kind of thought leaders and gurus on LinkedIn sharing basically like crap to gain attention like that's not building a personal brand that that really honestly isn't like there's they'll get views they'll get likes and whatever but they're not building a brand because they don't stand for anything there's no like substance to it so you know you, you don't have to shout the loudest and you can just be you and that's absolutely fine Absolutely. And, and I'll just double down on that, especially with Twitter. There's a big fad right now where people are using like a meme of like Johnny Depp and where like him and, and Amber yeah. are like conversing. And then like they're leading people on. And at the end, it's like, we have a job available. It's like, 
yeah, don't be that person. Like, just yeah. be you. Like, I, I, I just can't even say. Uh, that's a whole nother. Uh, that's a whole podcast I think we could do, yes. on, like, how problematic that is. Absolutely. The the one thing that I will just to cap off this one part on personal branding, specific to SEO, but Beth, I think you would um, admit that's going to be valuable as a whole. Please, please, please invest in building your own website. It oh, yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be this full-fledged blog, but use it as a resume. If you can get your exact match domain, you know, your nickleroy.com, your bethandvincent.com, like start there, specifically from an SEO. You know, if you are junior, try to rank for your name. I still can't rank number one because there's a doctor that, you know, oh. is doing, you know, that. But, it, you know, still what you want is you want a spot where you can send people. You can highlight all the good stuff that you've been working on. Even more credit if you're willing to do the blog or a, a newsletter. But have a single place where you can own your thoughts and your brand in a single spot. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was really like lucky or I want to say like, you know, I thought ahead and was super smart, but I got my domain, like my brand domain name like 10 years ago. And it was just, yeah. And it was more because I was like blogging and stuff, but that was the best, like, you know, $10 a month I've ever spent in my life, to be frank. So yeah, like do do it and, you know, don't be, don't overthink you know how sophisticated the site's going to be maybe if you're a developer and that's like your right. freelancing like that's fine but we're 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 marketers we're seos like it doesn't have to be like fully headless like sitting on jekyll like all of that right. stuff like yeah and i know there's going to be a lot of people that are creatives that think they want to be you know you know maniacalmonday.com like I, i'm serious like if this is the benefit you want just your best of this you know dot com you want your nickleroy.com no, unfortunately, if you know, your name is Bobby Anderson, like you're probably not going to be able to get it. But you know what? Just find something that's close. You, know, you can be NickLeroySEO.com. You could be Beth and Vincent, you know, CMO, you know, dot com. Yeah. You know, just honestly find one place that you can just continue. And that doesn't stop at just the website, too. And I'm not going to belabor the point here. But if you don't have your Twitter profile, you know, your Instagram, try to get those. And I, I have a story about my LinkedIn, but I, or sorry, my Twitter, but I'm going to hold on that one. That was about 10 years ago. Um, that's a whole other story, but we'll talk more about personal branding. I think this is truly the quote unquote hack. If there's anything for yeah. hacking a freelance career, it's really building a brand that you can continue to um, leverage and just build upon every single day you know, until we're retired. And then hopefully we can disappear off the internet one day uh really you want to go off the internet i'm there forever you know it's always it's always going to be cashed you know you never get to leave <laughs> i like it well it, it, it's very true how about this we don't have to update it as often. Uh, wouldn't that be the dream <laughs> <laughs> well beth this is like super awesome i really appreciate it you know two questions real quick one for people that are listening right now what are like the best books courses individuals that you would recommend them following you know what has been instrumental in your career yeah so uh i talked about mark britson i love his stuff some people kind of like love him hate him i just think he's super on points and super kind of um insightful and like he thinks about the craft and like the art of marketing and that kind of like strategic stuff so he's great 
also I love Jason Bradwell on Twitter um he and I like we've done podcast episodes and stuff before he shares a lot of really interesting content around b2b marketing and it's not just SEO it's across the board but he's well worth following has a great podcast and um I also love this is off the wall maybe slightly but the marketoonist who shares those kind of uh, great like almost marketing memes um so if you're ever feeling a bit down and you know the, the CEO has said, we're not going to invest in marketing. Go and look at the marketing. You'll feel better. You'll feel vindicated and better. I love it. Bethan, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a fantastic conversation. There's nothing better than having two individuals that like to talk a lot. Let us know what is the best way for individuals to follow you, just get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. So I'm Beth and Vincent across all platforms. So search for that online, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that fun stuff. And then I also have a podcast and newsletter called Brave. Slightly different topics to what we talked about today. It's about the people, companies, systems that are building a better future. So a bit of a kind of tech focus, but we delve into stuff like the future of work and, you know, remote working. Is that the future and how companies are going to make that work and company culture? So, yeah. Just find me anywhere or LinkedIn as well. I'm always happy to chat to people, as you probably can tell, as I said, I'm a talker. So come and talk to me. I'd love it. Fantastic. Everyone, make sure that you you know follow her at all of her social handles. I will make sure to link all of the above plus things that we've talked about in the show notes. But Bethan, thank you so much. Everybody, make sure to check this out at theseofreelancer.com. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.